Well, thank you, choir. I told the 9 o'clock service this morning, that's just one of the reasons that I love coming to this church, that if you can't preach after something like that, you ought to just not stand up and try. <laughs> I want to thank your pastor and your board for the invitation to be with you this weekend. I had a wonderful time yesterday with a group of the leaders of your church talking about church size theory, the ways that we keep our churches healthy and vibrant and and growing, and especially for the opportunity to be with you uh, today. Pentecost is one of my favorite uh, uh, days in the Christian calendar year. Um, I, I, this, today is the fulfillment of a remarkable promise that Jesus made to his followers. He told them that even his death would not separate them from him, that even his death would not be the end of his relationship with them. He promised them that even after he was gone, God would send a spirit a Holy Spirit who would live in them and walk beside them and guide them and empower them and that with this Spirit they would continue to feel the same closeness and intimacy with God that they had felt in His presence during His time on this earth. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost when that Spirit came. I keep thinking about all the things we have in common with those people I want you to listen for just a moment and, and ask yourself, can you relate to those people? Can you identify with these people? This was a group of people who were living in a tiny, confined little space. This was a group of people who lived in fear that other people might find out their true identity. This was a group of people who lived believing and knowing something deep in their hearts that gave their lives meaning, something that felt holy and real and important to them, but which they couldn't tell anybody else. This was a group of people who lived in fear that if people heard just one word and associated it with them, that it might be persecution and rejection in their lives. And they felt powerless to do anything about any of that. And then something happened. God happened. The Spirit came. And they heard a voice on the day of Pentecost said, saying, I did not create you to live like that. And they recognized that voice. And they realized that was the same voice that spoke to the Hebrew children in bondage in Egypt and said, I didn't create you to be slaves. I want you to come out of there into freedom. They recognized this as the same voice that showed up in the early morning mist of that hillside garden on the first Easter morning and rolled the stone away and spoke to Jesus and said, that little tomb is all about death and you are all about life. I want you to come out of there. You know what else? It's the same voice that went looking for you one day and knocked on your door and said, uh-uh. You may be able to hide from those other people, but I know you're in there. And I didn't create you to live in there. How are you going to share all this good news? How are you going to tell people everything I've done for you if you spend your life hiding in there? I did not create you to pretend to be somebody you're not because I need for you to be the person I created you to be. The Spirit came, and then they weren't afraid anymore. Because on the day of Pentecost, they realized what every Christian got to read a little bit later in 2 Timothy 1.10, For God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
You notice it doesn't say we might not have a spirit of fear. It just says that if we did, it did not come from God. So you think we can relate to these people? Don't we have something really profoundly in common with these people? Pentecost is about spirit. It is a story so important that it is written in wind and fire. It is so important that the day of Pentecost is called the birthday of the Christian church. It tells us that, that the church was born in one amazing, perplexing, utterly miraculous moment of total chaos and confusion. And that the disciples themselves were the birthday candles walking around all day with their hair on fire. When the day of Pentecost began, these people were so terrified that they were hiding. They were only whispering the good news and only to each other. But by the end of the day, these very same people were out in the street acting up. They were shouting the good news to everyone who would listen to them. So what happens when the Spirit comes? From the very beginning, Christians understood Pentecost to be the fulfillment of a prophecy from the Hebrew prophet Joel when he said, In those days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female slaves in those days, I will pour out my Spirit. If we allow the wind and Spirit into our lives individually and as a church community, we will dream dreams and we will see visions. We will dream dreams of a world that is shaped by the values that we have learned from the birth and life and death and resurrection and teachings of Jesus Christ. We will see visions, visions that are shaped by God and then given to us. And if we accept those visions, then those visions shape us. They shape the kind of people we will be and they shape the kind of church that we will create. What happens when the Spirit comes? Well, things change. Because fire and wind change things. The day of Pentecost tells us a story that reminds us of three things that change whenever the Spirit is present. And I want to share those three things with you briefly this morning. The first one is communication. When the Spirit is present, people listen to each other. And they understand each other. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit had to overcome cultural and racial and tribal and ethnic and nationalistic and religious and linguistic barriers just so people could listen to each other and understand each other. Some days I, I, I watch the news, I'm a news junkie, and some days I watch the news and it, it sounds like our world is just a place of groups divided against each other and yelling at each other across a deep canyon of misunderstanding. Different races and different nationalities and different religions and different political parties and different genders and different ages and sometimes parents and children and sometimes spouses and partners. Not being able or not being willing to listen to each other and understand each other is a source of immeasurable pain in this world, isn't it? It even happens in our churches sometimes. Individuals or groups get into conflict and it escalates until before we know it, the whole community is damaged. 
that ever happens in your church, just stop everything and invite this spirit into the conversation. Because according to Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is present, people listen to each other and they understand each other. So if that's true, let me ask you a very important question. Since the majority of the LBGT community that we want so desperately to hear the message that we have continues to believe that the church does not have anything important to say to them, is that because we're not saying anything important? Or is it because we haven't learned how to say it yet in a way that they can understand it? Where are all of those people that we know so desperately need to hear what gets said here? all the time. Why aren't they packing our churches? Remember what happened at Pentecost? The disciples preached in their own language, but the Spirit gave them the ability to speak and gave the listeners the ability to hear in such a way that the disciples spoke in their language and the listeners heard in their languages and understood everything that was being said. So what happened there? The people outside were not required to try to figure out what it was that the church was saying. The church was given the responsibility to figure out how to share the good news in such a way that the people outside the church not only heard it, but they understood it and they wanted to become a part of it. I think this is so important, let me try to say it in another way. It is not the responsibility of the people of Houston to try to figure out what we mean when we talk about God's unconditional love and radical inclusion, it's our responsibility to figure out how to say it in such a way that they hear us and they understand us. When the Spirit is present, people listen to each other and they understand each other. There's one other thing about communication in this story of Pentecost that I think is kind of uniquely important for us. And it is that when you hear someone else speak your language, you know you're not alone. My favorite post-resurrection story is that remarkable story about two disciples of Jesus who are walking back to their home in the village of Emmaus late on the afternoon on that first Easter Sunday, and they are devastated. They are in shock from what they have seen happening to Jesus the last few days and suddenly a stranger appears and is walking along with them and they talk until they get to their home in Emmaus and they invite the stranger in. The stranger comes in, sits down at the table, picks up bread, blesses it and breaks it and then they realize it's Jesus and that he's been with them all along. But do you remember how that story ends? The story says that immediately even though it was late and they were dusty and they were dirty and they were tired, they got up and walked all the way back to Jerusalem to find some other people who had had the same experience just so they could tell them their story. They wanted to be with other people like them. They just wanted somebody to understand their story. They wanted to start telling their story and look around and have somebody just smile and shake their head because they already knew what you were going to say. By the way, did you know that by the end of the third century, the Christian church said those two men's names were Simon and Cleopas and that they were, quote, two men who made their home together in the village of Emmaus, close quote. Just saying.
In our story this morning from the life cycle of David, King David, who was the most powerful man in the nation, has used his authority and his power to commit a horrible crime and sin. He wanted Bathsheba, and so he arranged to have her husband, Uriah the Hittite, killed in battle so that he could have Bathsheba to himself. And God sent the prophet Nathan to him to tell him a parable to make David indict himself, to make David realize the gravity of the sin that he had committed. In Hebrew scripture, the prophets, the Navi, were notoriously powerless and unimportant people until God chose them to speak. In this story of Pentecost, we know that the disciples of Jesus were poor, uneducated, shy, unimportant people. But on the day of Pentecost, they stood up and spoke and all these other people who were wealthy and powerful enough to have traveled from all over the world to come to Jerusalem, listened to them and heard them. When the prophet Nathan spoke, King David had to shut up and listen to him. That explains the second thing that happens when the Spirit is present. When the Spirit comes, all the differences that have divided us and separated us from each other just fall away. The powerless get to speak. People who have been disenfranchised get to tell their stories. People who have been left out get to be included. And everyone is equal before God in the same community. The second thing, when the Spirit is present, diversity is honored and it is celebrated. It's hard for us even to imagine just the racial tension that existed in the world into which Christianity was born. The Greeks hated the Jews, the Jews hated the Samaritans, everybody hated the Romans. And Jesus stunned all of his friends by treating everyone equally with exactly the same respect. Even after the day of Pentecost, the early church had to struggle for years to break out of its very narrow little racial, ethnic, and cultural cradle. But everything changed in one event that is recorded for us in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. Remember the Gentile named Cornelius who who was visited by an angel, and the angel said, you need to go find a man named Simon Peter and listen to what he has to say. And so Cornelius sent some of his people to find Peter, and while they were on the way, Peter went up to the top of the house, and he went to sleep, and he had a dream. And in this dream, he saw a great sheet come down out of heaven, and it was filled with animals, and all of these were unclean animals according to Jewish dietary law. He'd been taught all of his life, you can't even touch these animals, much less eat them. And a voice came out of heaven and said, Peter, you're hungry, kill these and eat them. And Peter said, no, I'm I'm not eating that stuff, that's unclean. And the voice came out of heaven and said, what I have created, you don't call unclean. And that happened three times, because we don't ever get it the first time, do we? (laughs) And so when when the friends of Cornelius got there, Peter went with them back to his home. And the first thing Peter said when he walked into Cornelius' home was, you know it's against the law for me as a Jew to even enter your house. But God has shown me that everything God created is good and not to be judged by me and not to be called unclean or inferior or unworthy by me. God has shown me that everyone who loves God 
is accepted by God. What an amazing moment for the church and for history. Many very smart people tell us that next to Pentecost, that was the most important thing that ever happened in the history of the Christian church because up until that day, only Jews were allowed to become part of this new little Christian church. And then Peter had this vision. And Peter interpreted this vision to mean if God made everybody, then how can some people be more important than other people? If God made everybody, then why would some people be more acceptable or more loved by God than other people? This meant Peter had to forget everything he'd ever been taught in his whole life. But when the Spirit comes, diversity is honored and it is celebrated. So when anyone insists that everybody else has got to be like them and believe like them and worship like them and love like them before they are worthy to come together, just don't listen to them because the Spirit of God is not there. In MCC, we believe in a God who is big enough to hold all of us regardless of race or gender or orientation. We believe that God is big enough to love all of us and accept all of us equally. We understand that though we are many, we are one. We began by saying that when the Spirit comes, it comes with wind and fire, and wind and fire change things. The third Thing that happens when the Spirit is present is transformation. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the world is change. It is transformation. On the day of Pentecost, we saw people change so dramatically you couldn't even have recognized them as the same people from early that morning to late that night. They were changed from people whose lives were filled with fear to people whose lives were filled with power. They were changed from people that history would just have forgotten to people who changed history forever and all because Jesus made a promise to his friends he said I won't leave you alone even after I'm gone God will send a spirit so that you will know that I am still with you last week was Mother's Day I, I want to close by telling you a story about my mother my mother was born and raised lived her whole life in rural southern Mississippi she died of cancer when she was just 52. Those of you who know anything about rural Southern culture know that funerals double really well as family reunions. And, and that happened at my mother's funeral. People came up out of the swamps and down out of the hills and I'd never seen before, but I was related to some way or other. I remember at a reception after my mother's funeral, there was a group of old women sitting in a row against a wall and my aunt, my mother's sister, took me by the hand and said, I want to introduce you to them. And she took me over and she started introducing me to these old women and, and telling me who each one of them was and explaining to them who I was. And, and we got to one woman and she reached up and she took my face in her hands like this. And she looked at me for a long time. And then she said, yeah, you're squats, boy, all right. Later that night, I was talking to my grandmother, my mother's mother, and I said, did that woman call mother squat today? And she told me a story I'd never heard about my mother. 
She said, the summer your mother was four years old, we lived way out in the country on a gravel road, and our closest neighbors were two miles down the road, and that family had some children, and so about once a week, my grandfather would hitch the mules to the wagon and go down there and pick up those children and bring them up so they could play with my mother and her sister. And one of the children in that family was a little girl about my mother's age who had had rheumatic fever, and it left her very weak and fragile. And so she couldn't play and run like the other children, and my grandmother said, all the others would just run away and leave her. But your mother would always stay right beside her. Your mother would just walk right along beside her. And this little girl was so weak that after she walked for a little bit, she'd have to squat down to catch her breath. And my grandmother said, every time she'd squat down, your mother would squat down right beside her. And they'd both just stay there until the little girl was ready to stand up, and then they'd walk on. My grandmother said at the end of the summer that little girl died. But she said, for months after that, we'd look out the window and your mother would be walking across the yard and for no apparent reason, she'd just squat down and stay there a few seconds very quietly. And then she'd stand up and go on. I think that's a story about love surviving death. And I think Pentecost is a story about love surviving death. I think that's a story about being able to continue to walk side by side, even beyond death. And I think Pentecost is a story about being able to walk side by side, even beyond death. All because Jesus made a promise to his friends and said, even though you won't be able to see me, I'm still with you. And if you will accept that, if you will believe that, then you will be my church. Everybody who will accept that will be my church. You'll be the fire starters. You'll be the flame keepers. You'll be the people who build the fires in those cold and dark places that release those people who still live in fear. So church, happy birthday. Happy birthday.